Section 15 of Sunbeams by George W. Peck. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Free Postal Delivery to Farmers The free rural delivery of mail by the government, by which a letter carrier in gray uniform, perhaps mounted on a wheel, visits all farmhouses in his district, and delivers circulars issued by business houses, the religious papers that all truly good farmers subscribe for or sign for, and occasionally a letter to the girl of the household, or a letter from an old acquaintance back at the old home, containing a recipe to make currant jelly so it would gel, is going to take away from the farmer of the extreme rural districts half the fun of life. The best excuse a farmer ever had to go to town will be gone, and the farmer's boy and girl, who have gone to the post office after the mail ever since they were big enough, will have to stay at home and work and wait for the mail carrier. It is not probable that the farmers ever asked for this expensive service at the hands of a just government, but it is more probable that some congressman thought he would work the farmer vote by seeming to be looking out for the interest of the tiller of the soil. In one locality, where the free rural delivery was tried, the curiosity was so great that when the carrier arrived at a house, the farmer left his work in the field and went to the house to see what the carrier fetched. The hired man left his team hitched to a fence and went to the house, while the boys, who were haying, turned the horses loose and went to see about it, and a girl who was teaching school half a mile away dismissed her school and got to the house in time to meet the carrier coming up the lane. While the hired man held the dog that wanted to make a Thanksgiving dinner off the gray uniform, the carrier sat down on the porch, wiped the perspiration off his forehead, the old lady came out of the kitchen, the hired girl came around the side of the house, and after impatiently listening to the latest news of the war in the Philippines, as the carrier told it, he reached into his sack and drew out a copy of the Christian Advocate and a pamphlet giving some harrowing details of the cure of some persons who had liver complaint and who had at an opportune moment bought some liver pills. The farmer looked at the newspaper a moment. The good wife looked at the pictures of those cured of liver complaint to see if anyone she knew had their picture in the pamphlet. The hired girl threw a warm glance at the carrier picked up an armful of wood and went into the kitchen to resume her rotary motion with the clothes wringer. And all went about their business as the carrier was rested and ready to move on, while the dog followed him down the road for a distance, barking a warning against future official visits. The farmer, the boy, the hired man, and the girl were all disappointed, because each had decided to go to town after supper after the mail and now there was no excuse. This rural delivery will be harder on the farmer than on anybody else, because going after the mail has been his outing, his opportunity to meet his friends at the post office and in the grocery, to talk over the affairs of the neighborhood and settle the affairs that worry the president. 
It was while getting the mail that the farmer learned of the sickness around about, as he would meet the dock at the post office, and be told who was going to die and who ought to pull through. He would learn, while after the mail, who was talked of for sheriff, and who had said he would run for the legislature if they wanted him. It was while after the mail that an occasional farmer would sit down to a few games of seven-up, while his horse that had worked all day was standing at a post, wondering if the old man would ever go home, and if he took the smallest glass of beer or a swallow of bitters, everybody at home knew it when he got out of the old rattling buggy and went in the house, because the odor of budge would fill the house and fight for mastery with the odor of fried pork in the kitchen. The farmer went to town before this rural delivery to learn what was going on from the other fellows that came from other farms, and all talked with the drummer who sat on the tavern porch or on a barrel in the grocery, and all were better for the information they got by rubbing up against the little world of the village. Now the carrier must combine all the gossiping qualities of all the people the farmer formerly met, and he must have time on his hands to tell it all at each house he visits, or he can never take the place of the trip to town after the mail. The government may have thought the farmer needed more time to work, and has thus stepped in to keep him on the farm, except on election day but unless some excuse just as good as going after the mail is discovered, the farmer will feel that he is swindled out of half the fun of farming. The hired man will strike, the hired girl will kick unless the letter carrier is susceptible, and everything will go wrong. The farmer could go to the lodge for an excuse only in summer when he wants to go to town. The lodges do not have sessions. The sun looks for the withdrawal of rural mail carriers before the next spring. The Barefooted Farmer Boy A farmer's boy writes the sun from his home in the interior as follows. Is it any disgrace for a fourteen-year-old boy to go barefooted on the farm or when he rides a plow horse into town to have a plow point repaired? What makes me ask is that people at the summer resorts near our farm, when they drive along the road and see me barefooted, stop the horses and have fun with me and seem to enjoy looking at my tracks in the road. And when I go to the village, where they spend the summer playing tennis and golf, they surround me on the main street and look at my bare feet and legs as though I were a freak from a sideshow. One young fellow with a girl said that if he was in my place, he would paint his legs a nice warm color and have a nice red dado where my trouser legs leave off. They make me more tired than hoeing corn. Well, don't let the chaffing you receive from the people who wear canvas shoes worry you. They don't mean any harm or disrespect. They are out for fun and can afford to have fun, and to them you are a part of the show. If their fathers were with them, the fathers would shut them up mighty quick. Very likely the fathers of every one of those young people who are so rich now never wore a shoe in summer before they were twenty years old. Nearly all of the rich men of the cities were brought up on farms, 
and they would like nothing better than to go to your farm, take off their shoes, and go around barefooted and help you hoe corn, if they could do so without being caught at it by their society friends. The leading men of this country have large feet that they got by going barefooted. Lincoln's feet were so big that he was always joking about them, and he went barefooted and pawed up the soil of Illinois and Kentucky with his toenails. If anybody could find a petrified, barefooted track of old Abe down in Sangamon County nowadays, the person who found it would become rich, and the people of the whole country would worship that track, and it would be framed in gold and deposited in a safety deposit vault. Grant didn't have any shoes when he was a boy, and he has worked on a farm and rode a horse to plow corn, and his trousers were clear up to his knees, and yet if these boys that make fun of you could own those old trousers Grant wore when he was a boy, they would not part with them for a fortune. Garfield's barefooted tracks on the towpath of the canal where he led the mules to haul the boats, if they could be found now, would sell for more than the canal. Phil Armour used to go barefooted to school, and he has got one toenail that is a total wreck from the stroke of a hoe when he was digging potatoes barefooted on the old home farm, and he is as proud of that demoralized toenail as he is of a packing house. Marshall Field can today go out on a farm barefooted and beat lots of you boys hoeing corn, and he could ride a horse to plow corn and never let the plow touch a hill or let the hungry horse bite a blade of the new corn because he would rest his toes on the tugs of the harness and keep his heels kicking the old horse all the time and he would be happier than he is in his big store and hungrier when the horn blew for dinner than he is now when the lunch hour comes and he has to eat soup because solid food hurts him McKinley could leave the White House and go out on a farm in haying time with a hickory shirt on and an old straw hat, and he could take a scythe and mow a swath and make any farmer hustle to keep up with him. Brian would like nothing better than to forget for a few days that there is any such thing as money, good, bad, or indifferent, and go to a farm where barefooted boys were plenty, take off his boots, throw the lines over his shoulder, and with a span of good horses plow a ten-acre lot, and every furrow would be as straight as the life he has led, and every inch of the soil would be plowed to the same depth, honestly, and the chances are more than sixteen to one that if there was a boiled dinner when the boys went to the house, he wouldn't do a thing to it, and he would enjoy it better than he does these banquets at ten dollars a plate and before he went to dinner he would haul up a bucket of water with the old windlass and tip it up on the well curb and drink half of it and let the water drip from his face down onto his flannel shirt open at the collar down onto his bare feet and his eyes would sparkle after the drink and you boys would say he was one of the grandest partners boys ever had on a farm some day when the sun gets rich it will have a farm just to invite the distinguished men that were farmers' boys to come out and visit with each other and take off their boots and put on hickory shirts and run wild and have fun with each other and mingle with the barefooted boys of the present generation 
to show them that there was no disgrace in going barefooted on the farm, if an occasional person who ought to know better does have fun with them. So, boys, you go right on, barefooted. Let the green grass color your legs and the tickle grass crawl up your trousers leg. Follow the woodchuck dog when you have time. Never mind the patches. And when these boys who make fun of you are dying from smoking cigarettes, you can go to the cities with strength, nerve, and good health and take their places in the business world and wear big shoes made of yellow leather. Don't you worry. THE DRUMMER AND THE FARMER Occasionally a few old drummers who have been on the road for a quarter of a century and have been laid off owing to the formation of trusts or some other epidemic get together and talk over the happy days when they were kings and some of the stories they tell are interesting. One good fellow whose hair has become as white as chalk was telling another of the good times he had enjoyed in the little towns that he had visited for many years, attending sociables and parties, and escorting the girls around, going riding and fishing, boating in the summer, and sleighing in the winter. And he said if he never had another bit of fun in his life, there was nothing coming to him, as he had enjoyed all the pleasures any one man ought to have in a lifetime. And he only regretted that it was over. Another told of meeting the girl that afterwards became his wife, away out in Iowa, when she came into a grocery one day with a sunbonnet on and bought some pancake flour while he was selling goods to the grocer. He said he bruised his thumb and was trying to wind a rag around it with the other hand when the girl looked on for a moment and he was so awkward that she came up and offered to help fix up the thumb. He said she was so nice that he accepted her offer, and then she tore a piece off her apron and made him go with her to an old tin wash basin, where she washed the thumb, and then wound the piece of apron around it and said, There, I guess you will do till you get home. And she took her pancake flour and went home. He said on his next trip, which was a long month after, he carried a new apron his sister had bought for him in a sample case to give her, and he got the grocer to wash his hands and put on a linen duster and go with him to the house of the country girl so he might thank her. She was making strawberry shortcake and came in with flour on her hands and strawberry juice on her lips and chin, and he said he died right there, and before a year he had married her, and they were living in a suburb terribly happy, and he never looked at his busted thumbnail without thanking the Lord for steering him to where he got it hurt. An old fellow, who was smoking a cigar in silence while listening to the boys, was asked where he had enjoyed himself most in his quarter of a century on the road. He flipped the ashes off the cigar with his little finger and said, Boys, I formed a habit about eighteen years ago that has given me more pleasure than anything I can think of. One day, the train was going slowly along out in southern Minnesota and finally came to a stop right in a hayfield where the farmers were leaning on their scythes and rakes looking us over. I had read all the morning papers and had them in my seat when an old farmer who stood near the track with his hat off, wiping his forehead with a red bandana handkerchief, said to me 
as I sat by the open window. Stranger, what is the news? You know, we don't see any papers out here except the Christian Advocate and the local paper over in town that never has any news. I thought at once how much he would value the papers I had read and was ready to throw away. I called him up and tossed them out the window to him. He gave a smile that wrinkled up his good old face, thanked me, and it being lunchtime, the dozen haymakers all gathered around him under a tree, and when the train had fixed up its hot box and moved away, the men were happy. The old man took a two-gallon jug and threw it on his shoulder to take a drink of water and said, Much obliged, friend. You have done us a great favor. And away he went. Well, I got to thinking it over, how much good a traveling man could do by giving the papers he had read to the farmers. And from that day to this, I have just planted newspapers over the farms of the far west. I take a paper and tie a string around it, and if the wind is blowing, I tie a piece of coal inside. And when I get far away from towns and see a farmer at work in a field, I attract his attention and throw the paper towards him. At first, they used to think it was some advertisement and wouldn't pay much attention until the train was nearly out of sight, and then they would go and get the paper. Now they seem to look for me, and when the window of the car goes up and I stick my head out, whoever is in sight starts for the track with a smile and a wave of their old hats, and they fairly devour the papers. I figure that I have planted about a million papers out west where they have done good, and I have got lots of other drummers to do the same. In winter, I throw them off at a road that crosses the track, and in some places they have got to know about what train I am on. Sometimes I take along a lot of picture books that my children have got through with, and when I see a forlorn-looking little child away out on the prairie with a little lunch basket, I throw a mess of the books toward the child, and it makes my heart jump to see the child clutch them as though they were gold nuggets. All over the West there are thousands of people who I have become familiar with my hard old face, and if I should show up anywhere now, they would give me the freedom of the towns and farms. I figure that the good I have done that way will give me quite a send-off toward getting to heaven, and I would advise all the young traveling men to never destroy a paper, but throw it to a farmer and see him smile. End of section 15. Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond, North Carolina.